Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor here at Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of scripture and theology. Right now, we're working our way through this letter that Peter wrote, 1 Peter as we know it. He wrote this letter to elect exiles in order to comfort them in their suffering and encourage them in their faith in the face of suffering. We're up to verse 13, so let me pray for us, and I will read verse 13 and then make a few comments. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it calls us to spiritual sobriety, that it calls us to thinking rightly about the gospel, that it calls us to set our hope on Jesus Christ, and that it calls us to all of this, announcing the hope that we have in Christ. Not asking us to go figure it out, but but stating it clearly. By your spirit, would you help us to do these things? In Christ's name, amen. Peter writes in 1 Peter 13, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We've already talked about through the first 12 verses of this letter that Peter is writing to these elect exiles in order to encourage them in their com- uh, in order to encourage them in their suffering to comfort them in their suffering and he's writing to encourage and comfort them in the gospel of Jesus Christ and with the gospel of Jesus Christ he knows that we are all sorely tempted to find our hope our security our identity in the things of this world and as these things have been snatched away from the people from these elect exiles, as they've lost the things of this world by being exiled to these far-flung reaches of the Roman Empire, where then are we to find our hope and security? Well, Peter is writing to remind them that they're to find their hope, identity, and security exactly where they always were to be finding their hope, identity, and security, and that is in Jesus Christ and his gospel. This is where we, too, are to find our hope, identity, and security. Peter now turns and begins to apply these truths to the elect exiles, helping them understand exactly what it means to have been born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is kept in heaven for those who are being guarded by God until the day of salvation. He begins in verse 13 by giving us this kind of interesting progression of ideas. I'm going to be a little bit nerdy with the languages here for a minute. The, the first one, preparing your minds, that's a, an aorist that we would typically think of as a past tense reality. So perhaps, therefore, having prepared your minds for action, and then being sober-minded, that participle is a present tense participle. So having prepared your minds and being sober-minded, and then he gives an imperative. Set your heart, set your mind, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there's assumption, there's an assumption built in that they are or have prepared their minds, that they are acting in this spiritual, mental, intellectual sobriety, and therefore he commands them, set your hope fully on Jesus Christ. So let's think about what these different words mean and what it is that Peter is assuming they have done and encouraging them to continue to do and then commanding them to do. The first word 
Anazosaminoi, Greek word. It, if you look in the lexicons, it means to bind up, gird up, literally of long garments to facilitate work or walking. So you can imagine uh, uh, a woman walking down the aisle and then she could, at her wedding and then she comes to the stairs and she's got this huge dress all around her and she needs help getting up the stairs and that's what she has her bridesmaids for to kind of gather up the train and, and help her get safely to the top of the stairs before laying it all out beautifully. That's something of the idea. We could also think of, you know, when we're going to get some kind of work done and, and we need to, you know, perhaps you tuck your the, the, the legs of your pants into your boots so they're not in the way or, or, or you tuck your shirt in so that it's not flapping about or, or not in the way or you roll your sleeves up so that they're not hanging down and in the way. The idea is that you're getting something out of your way that is hindering you. And Peter says that this is what we're to do with our minds. That we're to get the things out of the way that hinder clear gospel thinking. That, that we're to, to, to gird up our minds. That's what he's calling us to when he says, prepare your minds for action. And he's assuming that these are, or he's writing in a way that assumes that these Christians have done that. That they've looked and said, okay, what is it in my thought process? What is it in, my, in, in how I am understanding life that is getting in the way and that is keeping me from doing and thinking rightly about life? Let me gird that up. Let me, let me tighten that up so that it's not in the way and it's not tripping me up. I think a similar idea is presented in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, where he's not using the same language, but, but we're told to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and set our eyes on Christ Jesus. See, it's easy to let all of these worldly ways of thinking and worldly priorities and, and fleshy priorities trip us up and get in the way of thinking clearly about life in light of the gospel. A more physical example from Scripture is seen in Acts 12, 28, where an angel tells Peter to dress himself and then to wrap his cloak around him and follow him. It's a, a, a slightly different word, but it's the same idea. The point here is we don't just walk into suffering unprepared and expect great results. We have to prepare our minds to think rightly about the gospel and life. So this prompts us to ask questions of ourselves. What are those ways of thinking, those intellectual priorities that we're committed to that keep us from thinking rightly about the gospel and life. Then he says, being sober-minded. This is just one word in the Greek. And again, the lexicon defines it this way. Primarily, be sober. In the New Testament, only figuratively. To be free from every form of mental and spiritual drunkenness, from excess, passion, rashness, confusion, etc., See, he's, he's calling us to, to a sobriety about life and the gospel. 
Again, this reminds me of James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So what are those things that trip us up in, in how we're thinking about them? What are those things to which we are looking for hope? to which we are looking for identity, to which we are looking for security that aren't the gospel. Those are the things that that we need to get rid of here. That's what Peter is is dealing with here, is, is all of those categories of thought, all of those issues in our life, all of those things that we look to for identity, for hope, and for security that are not the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of those issues of reputation, all of those issues of of politics, of of money, of having things, of friends, of marriage even, of relationships with kids, of, of what our expectations are of our kids. All of these things we can attach our hope and security and identity to. And what suffering is, is losing those things. It's being let down by the realities that we have attached our hope and identity and security to. That's one way to think about what suffering actually is. We've attached it to health, and that's been let down. We've attached it here, the elect exiles, to to their life in Rome and with their property, and all of that was taken, taken away. When we attach our identity, our hope, and security to this life and the things of this life, and then we lose those things, we suffer. Now, I understand there are other types of more innocent suffering, but I think if we stopped and gave some thought to the realities of our own suffering and what really is behind the heartache, what really is de- behind the despair, what really is behind the anxiety, what really is behind the anger, what really is behind the frustration, what really is behind the fear, more often than we care to admit, what we would find is that it's the loss of those things that we have attached our identity, hope, and security to rather than Jesus. So, girding up our minds, preparing our minds, and and being sober-minded, he then gives an imperative. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's important to say here he is writing to believers, not to people that he's teaching how to become Christians. He is writing to people who have the Spirit. He is writing to people who have a hope, who have been born again into a hope, into an inheritance. He's writing to people that have this stuff, and he's encouraging them to set their mind on that which they already have in Jesus Christ. They already have a hope and it can't be taken away. So when they lose the things that they are tempted to attach their hope to in this life, their hope shouldn't change because it's actually attached to Jesus. That's where our hope is found. So, we need to hear these words as well, don't we? 
in this craziness that is 2020. Being sober-minded. Having prepared our minds for action. Let us now, with the Spirit's help, set our hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up your mind and set your hope on Jesus. Amen.